The following podcast is a glimpse into the life of Ecclesia Houston. We pray it is a blessing as you seek to follow Jesus, the liberating King, and live in his kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. This is Pastor Chris, and it is a really beautiful thing that I get to not only share with you from Mexico City, uh, I get to invite you into a new journey in the life of our church. Uh, we're a people that from the very beginning of Ecclesia, can you believe we're 20 years old? We're turning 20 years old in just a few months. And part of the great thing about being a church that's uh, growing and that's maturing is that we get more opportunities to live out the things that we believe, we say we believe, and yet we've got a lot to learn and how we do that. From the very beginning, we've said that we're gonna be a local church. I think that's amazing. We get to be planted in the city of Houston. We get to have an effect in the fourth largest city in the United States, the most diverse city in the United States. I love being a pastor in Houston. I think whoever you are, you ought to have Houston on your top five list of great cities across the world. But we're not just a local church. We've said to be the ecclesia, to be the church, we're gonna be a local church, a global church, and a historical church. Now, historical means we have to be a people that value history and the stories, stories of the saints, stories of great church leaders. Uh, we've learned so much in church history and we learned so much from the stories of scripture. But we also long to be a people that don't just see what God's doing in Houston, Texas. We wanna learn from our brothers and sisters in Africa and Asia and Latin America. We wanna be a part of the big church, the whole church, the big C church. And so today, Ecclesia, I get to invite you into a new season in our life. Uh, we're gonna be a people, we've longed to be those people that um, bring you into experiences that let you see and realize that you're a part of the global church. One of those ways that we've done that is to invite people on pilgrimages. We have a few of those. We have the opportunity to go to the Holy Land and walk in Jesus' footsteps. I believe it's the most transformational thing that we can do. I have a goal, a dream to take every ecclesia in at some point to the Holy Land. There are other pilgrimages that we make together. Uh, some of those are we partner with Living Water. And as we get to work with Living Water, many of you have gotten to make a pilgrimage where you get to go and be a part of drilling a water well and seeing what that process looks like. Now, the truth is our great staff in Latin America and across the globe, they don't really need your help to be able to drill a water well, but you know what happens when you go? You make friends with people in a community. You're gonna learn what it's like to be a person that lives in a community that might've been drinking from a river or a stream, and you get to be a part of representing the love of Christ to them. We think that's an amazing event. And as we enter a new era in the life of our church, we're embarking on a new pilgrimage. And I'm gonna set a goal that every Ecclesian at some point in their lifetime gets to come be a part of the church in Mexico City, one of the great global cities. And it's a little more than a two hour flight. Uh, for many of us, we'd have to save up for a long time to make a trip to the Holy Land. 
but we think the opportunity to come here and get to do what, uh, as pastors, it's really my job to do. It's not uh, always the favorite part of my job, but my job is to help make you uncomfortable. I don't know if you've sensed that. If I'm doing my job well, I've invited you on a regular basis to enter some space that you go, this feels really awkward. This feels really uncomfortable for me. So Ecclesia, as we enter a new era, I wanna invite all of you to be a part of a new pilgrimage, a pilgrimage to Ciudad de Mexico, Mexico City. It's a short flight, literally a couple of hours. So it's my goal that every Ecclesian at some point would make a pilgrimage here and get to realize that we're a part of the big church. We have great partners here in Mexico City. Most of you know, we wouldn't have been able to fly down here and be a part of caring for the migrant caravan, which was a beautiful experience in the life of our church. I hope you've learned a lot through that experience. We wouldn't have done it if we didn't have a partner church here that we love. I want to invite you to come to Mexico City, to walk these streets, to eat the tacos, to meet some friends and neighbors, to meet women that have been trafficked to Mexico City, that are in a desperate situation. And we can't fix everything, but we can be a small part of the solution. And we can support the church in the place that they are working to bring health and wholeness uh, to God's children, young women that he desperately loves. One of the things I've said from the beginning of the church um, is that we have a tendency to be a people uh, that could try to live a sanitized life. Uh, by that I mean, well, you may be similar. Um, I'm not OCD in every way. Uh, but when it comes to public restrooms, I'm pretty careful. In fact, my goal when it comes to a public restroom, maybe yours is the same, is to get in and out and not actually touch anything. As I had young kids, it was really hard because they want to grab stuff. They'll grab the toilet and you're like, hey, listen, pull back. This place is disgusting, right? And most of us, guys especially, I know, right? You know how to flush the toilet with your foot, which means those of you that are flushing with your hand, you're touching, that's disgusting, use your foot. If you're in a public restroom, you want to get in and out and not touch anything. I'm afraid, Ecclesia, that most Christians view the world the same way. We want to get in and out of this world and not touch anything. And what I want to invite you to is to be uncomfortable in the best kind of way. We flew down this week to Mexico City with some Ecclesia staff and leaders so that we could design a trip for you that we think will be spiritually impactful. In fact, we were on the plane and some Ecclesians looked up and said, hey, Pastor Chris, Sarah and Hubie, they're great. You'll meet them some point. And Sarah and Hubie said, what are you guys doing? And we said, we're going down. We're designing a trip for Ecclesians. It's going to be a pilgrimage that'll be life-changing. And wouldn't you know it, um, Sarah and Hubie had some free time. And they joined us as we got to serve women on the streets. We got to do some really beautiful things. In fact, our dear friends, these Ecclesians said, this was one of the greatest nights of our life. And I want to invite you to the same experience. Uh, we're a people made to touch to touch others. In the earliest days of the church, we bought our building at 2115 Taft. Some of you have been around long enough to know that. Now, what you don't know probably is that um, in the earliest days when we bought that church, we just didn't have any money and resources. And it was a bit crazy that we jumped into a big venture like trying to buy a building and renovate it. In fact, the day that we bought the building, I started having like a panic attack, probably as bad as I've ever had. I thought, we can't do this, we're in over our head. And in the middle of the night, I couldn't sleep and I decided I'm gonna go up and walk inside our building and think through some of the things and pray. And I got up there about 2 a.m. and I had no idea um, that I was gonna encounter what I believe to be some of our earliest parishioners. I was walking through the building, praying, getting overwhelmed by all the asbestos. And I heard these voices on our patio. 
Um, I thought, this is our church. We own it. It's our patio. I'll go see who it is. I opened the door and I found four of the tallest women I'd ever seen in my life. Now, as a pastor, uh, I saw this as God's invitation. Um, I told them, I'm a pastor. We just bought this building. You're on our property and you're welcome. And uh, they said, well, uh, what are you going to do here? I said, we're going to welcome everybody. And uh, I wanted to offer hospitality. I didn't have anything. I had a few Mexican Coca-Colas uh, in my car. I went and got them and I poured them and we shared a Coke. It felt a little bit like communion. And I thought on that day, I've said this from the beginning of the church. I thought if Jesus was gonna show up in Houston, Texas, he'd come to 2115 Taft and he might serve them something better than a Mexican Coca-Cola, but it was the best I had. Now we planned this trip and we came down to Mexico City. And one of the things I'm gonna invite you to do is to uh, visit a safe house and meet girls that have been uh, trafficked in or now safe. I'm going to invite you to walk some of the streets of Mexico City and see the real problem up close. And then together, we're going to join with our partners uh, at the church here in Mexico City, and we're going to throw one of the best parties you've ever seen. We're going to do what Ecclesians do. We hire a food truck, and we're going to uh, gather all the women as they work the streets, these women that have been uh, abused and talked to in some of the worst ways, and many of you are going to give them a manicure. You're just going to touch them. You're going to, uh, you're going to love them. And, uh, and I'm really grateful for my friend, Pastor Rodolfo. He's a great pastor down here. And we just started doing what we do. We thought, let's walk around. We got to get some of these women that are working the streets to come over to our party and let them know that we love them and God loves them. And we started walking the streets and we thought the only thing we could do, we found some Cokes. We started so serving Cokes to them. It was Rodolfo's idea. And I got to meet women. I got to meet so many of these that were working the streets and uh, pour them a Coke. And I had a bit of a flashback and I realized I'd love for every Ecclesian to come and to experience this. Ecclesia, if you're going to get your hands dirty, this is what we're made to do, by the way. Uh, the big problem living a Christian life where you don't touch people, you don't offer manicures, is that you're not following the example of Jesus. This is what Jesus did. He went into places with lepers, with prostitutes, with people nobody wanted to touch, and he got up close to them. They became his friends. They became his followers. I think we're made to do the same. John 1 tells us that before time itself was measured, the voice, the logos, the living word was speaking, that that voice was and is God. And this celestial word remained ever present with the creator. His speech, Jesus' speech, shaped the entire cosmos that immersed in the practice of creating all things that exist were birthed in him and his breath filled all things with a living, breathing light. The scriptures tell us a light that thrives in the depths of darkness, blazing through murky bottoms, it cannot and will not be quenched. John goes on to explain later in John 17 that that light was intended to live in the world. Jesus prayed for us and he said, Father, don't take them out of the world. Leave them in the world. Protect them with truth. Your word is truth. And Jesus called on us just as he was sent from heaven to earth to be present in the world, to stay in the world, not to create some Christian bubble where we don't touch anybody else, but to get out and to touch and to love and to be a part of God's beautiful activity of redeeming all people in all times and in all places. So Ecclesia, maybe you grew up in a church like mine that really was afraid of the world. Uh, we were afraid of rock music and we were afraid of bad people and drug dealers. It felt like everybody was out to get us. I hope you've figured out by now that Ecclesia is not that kind of church. I really believe what the scriptures tell you, that greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. And we're a people made in Houston, Texas, in Mexico City, in Lusaka, Zambia, in every place that we go to reach out with the love of Christ into the darkness. Now in Mexico City, that can be pretty dark. 
Um, this is a place where uh, this cult of Santa Muerte is, uh, it's unbelievably popular. We met a number of women that believe in uh, the, the, the saint of death that had tattoos as tributes to Santa Muerte. And, uh, and that, those are challenging conversations. But I want to remind you that the New Testament calls us to that kind of faith. The Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians. Um, I love this book, by the way. We need to preach through it again. It's been a few years. Paul was a part of starting a church in a port city. Now, if you know anything about port cities in the ancient world, they were crazy places. They were places that sailors went. There were brothels. There were pagan temples. You name it, everything was happening there. And you know what Paul did? Paul told them, stay connected. Be a part of your community and your network. Don't leave those communities. Now, he had to help them think without rules and saying, don't do this and don't do that. He had to help them think through, how do we live out a Christian ethic in this world? So there were big parties at the temples, right? They were barbecues. They were literally sacrifices to pagan gods. And they would make the sacrifice to the animals. Then they would eat the food. And Paul, what he didn't do, this is beautiful. We can read it in 1 Corinthians. What he doesn't do is say, you gotta stop going there. You gotta cut off those people. What he does is say, hey, you gotta think about this. Are you gonna cause some other brothers to stumble? Are you gonna confuse people? You've gotta decide whether you go there, whether you're gonna eat meat that comes from a pagan altar or not eat meat. But he leaves it up to us to decide and he invites us to stay deeply connected. Ecclesia in 1 Corinthians, Paul talks about just this struggle. He says in verse 19, that also means that I'm free of obligations to all people. He says, because I'm not accepting uh, gifts and support from everyone, um, I get to do what I think God leads me to do. He says, and even though no one except Jesus owns me, I have become a slave by my own free will to everyone in hopes that I would gather more believers. Then he explains, he says, when I'm around Jews, I emphasize my Jewishness in order to win them over. When I'm around those who live strictly under the law, these Jewish people that live very carefully, he says, I live by its regulations, even though I have a different perspective on the law now in order to win them over. In the same way, I've made a life outside the law to gather those who live outside the law. Although I personally abide by and live under the anointed one's law. Then he explains, he says, I've been broken, lost, oppressed, oppressed, and weak that I might find favor and gain the weak. Probably you've experienced all those things. Then he says this, he says, I'm flexible, adaptable, and able to do and be whatever is needed for all kinds of people so that in the end, I can use every means at my disposal to offer them salvation. I love this about the Apostle Paul. I love this about the New Testament. My guess is that when you think of Christian people, you don't instantly just think, man, Christians, they're so flexible and adaptable. Often we've been known as being strict and rigid. We're not made to be those people. We're made to be adaptable. We're made to push into the streets and get to know and love people. Ecclesia, I'm really blessed that I'm gonna be one of the pastors helping lead this trip to Mexico City. I'm also excited that Stephen Brown and Jose Trevino on our pastoral staff are also going to be leading these trips. You're gonna be transformed by them. I wanna invite you to come down to experience what it's like to have a 12-year-old girl who's been trafficked in the sex industry pause and look at you and ask you if she can pray for you. I'm telling you, when you get prayed for by a girl who's been through these kind of trials and hardships, it'll bring a new perspective to your Christian faith. The other thing that's gonna happen is you're gonna become tremendous friends with other Ecclesians. You're gonna see things together and experience things together that you couldn't experience otherwise. We're gonna do this truly Ecclesia style. There's gonna be great food and great beverages. I'm on a patio at the hotel that we're gonna use for our group bookings. And this hotel is beautiful. 
It's really comfortable. We're gonna be out on the streets in the days, but you're gonna be resting well at nights. And then we're gonna come up here on this patio together. We're gonna to have drinks, we're gonna eat food, we're gonna process what we experienced. And we're gonna ask God to change us because Ecclesia, ultimately, that's what we want, is God to change our heart and our lives to make us new people. That's what I'm gonna pray for you. I'm gonna pray for you now as I invite these dear brothers to come and share. Lord God, I thank you for the people of Ecclesia. I thank you that from the beginning, we've been a people opening bottles of Mexican Coca-Cola um, to people that work the streets, people that have been left out in the church and that we've said, hey, you're always welcome here and you will not be ostracized. I'm grateful, Lord, that you allow us to be a part of the big church and there are other churches in Mexico City doing the same. Help us to see that we're the same church. Help us to join in with our heart, our finances, and we pray also our lives, our bodies, our travel schedules so that we can connect more deeply with what you're doing in the world. We pray now, God, that you would lead us and guide us on the path that you have for us, both as a church and individuals. Lord, may it be so. May your kingdom come here on earth as it is in heaven. We pray this together in your name, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. 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 Well, good morning, Ecclesia. My hope this morning is to share a couple of stories with you. I've, I've been to the Mexico trips and some other things that have happened in my life of how, as Pastor Chris refers to it, as getting uncomfortable and leaning in and getting our hands dirty. Uh, it just changes your perspective. At times, we, we just have an assumption of we know what that's like, and we kind of categorize it, and we stay in our bubble, and that's another bubble. And we, yeah, we'll, we'll kind of do like a little handout at times, and, but we'll stay in this bubble. And a few years ago, um, I was driving down the street, and as maybe it's happened to all of us, we just kind of feel this urge, uh, th this word, or whatever you want to call it, of God speaking to us, of like, hey, you should do something. And I was driving through an interstate, and I see one of our homeless brothers uh, sleeping under an underpass, right, where you kind of make the U-turn. And, and I really felt like, hey, you should do something for him. So I'm like, well, I don't know, maybe later. And as I kept driving, it just felt a little heavier, and I'm like, okay, fine, let me just do that, be quick. No big deal. So I kept driving, got off the exit, went under the other underpass, came all the way around. Couldn't park at an underpass, obviously. So I had to park a few blocks away, park my car, walk a couple of blocks, and finally get to uh, my friend who was sleeping. And well, he was sleeping. And so now what do I do, right? He's so I'm like, he wasn't like waiting for me, he was just sleeping. So I, I knew that I, you know, I parked my car, I'd done all these things, like I gotta do something. So I wake him up. Lesson one, don't wake up anybody that's sleeping under the underpass. It just doesn't go good for, for, well, for anybody. So, but I do, I'm just like, hey, hey, buddy, hey, nothing. So I kind of nudge him a little bit. Hey, don't ever nudge somebody sleeping under the underpass. He woke up really startled, uh, just ready to take a swing at me, rightfully so. I'm thinking, how would I feel if somebody woke me up from a nap, just like pushing me who I don't know. And I'm like, hey, no, 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 I'm here to help. Uh, uh, you know, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to do something for you. I was just driving by. I had to stop. What can I do for you? And he's just like, dude, nothing. Just, I'm fine. I'm like, no, 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 no. Like, you know, I really felt God calling me. I'm here to help. What, are you hungry? Can I get you something to eat? And he's like, yeah, sure, just go get me a burger. I'm like, okay, cool. So I run out, a couple of streets, get in my car, go to McDonald's. I buy him five cheeseburgers. So I, I got, I'm, I'm going big, right? So I go back, five cheeseburgers, park my car, walk a couple blocks, get to him again. He's lying down sleeping. So I'm like, man, I, I'm not just going to leave the back here. Like, 
I want him to eat in front of me. Like, I want my big payoff, right? My big reward, you know? I want him to be like, well done, good and faithful servant, you know? Just like, thank you, you saved me. But he's sleeping. So I kind of wake him up again. I was like, hey, I got your cheeseburgers. And he kind of rolls over, looks at me. He's like, okay, thanks. Just, just leave him there. Um, like, not, that's not good enough. Like, you know, I want, I want a moment, you know? I want a hug. I want a big thank you. But I'm just kind of standing there. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Let me do something else for you. What else do you need, right? Uh, you probably need a backpack and socks, right? I, I've heard this, that you guys need backpacks and socks, right? Like, because I, I, I have all the solutions. Like, I know what you need. I know what you guys need. So he's like, sure, go buy me a backpack. Okay, I'll be right back. So I go down two blocks, get in my car, go to Walmart, grab a backpack, fill it with socks, come back with this brand new backpack full of socks. Surely now I'm going to be the hero. And so I go, get there, he's still sleeping, back towards me. I'm like, come on, man. So I'm like, hey, I got your backpack. Same response, hey, just, yeah, just leave it there. I'm like, come on. Now I'm a little mad, just like, dude, come on, I'm trying to help. I'm trying, I'm trying to do this for you. I got your food, I got a backpack, I got socks. This time he's a little annoyed. He gets up, stands up, he looks at me, and um, Randy, I find out his name later. Randy looks right at me and he's like, you really want to do something for me? I'm like, yeah. What do you want? He's like, be my friend. And it just cut to the heart. Because I don't have time for that. I already have plenty of friends. I can't go to the friend store and knock this out and check this box and keep going to my life. He wanted time. He wanted me to get to know him. He wanted me to get my hands dirty. He's like, be my friend. Kind of challenging me. And so I'm like, okay, I'll be your friend. Let's hang out. I spend the next three days with him. I sleep with him under an underpass. I get some cards and we're playing poker under the underpass at 3 a.m. Um, he's cheating, but I don't care. It's fine. <laughs> My uh, Lisa's brother-in-law sees me. <laughs> he works for the border patrol. This is in Brownsville on the border. He works for the border patrol. He sees me sleeping on an underpass with a homeless guy. Calls up Lisa, are you guys okay? <laughs> like what happened all this way? Why is he, did you kick him out? What's going on? Something we should know about you guys? But it was life-changing. I got to hear his story. I got to know Randy. It wasn't just a story. It wasn't just a handoff a burger. It was like, why are you here? Turns out, you know, circumstances in his life. He was passing through. He wasn't from Brownsville. He needed to get upstate somewhere, and we helped him do that later. But it was different. I heard his stories. I spent some time with him. I even got to walk the streets with him, asking for money just to help him out. And, and it was life-changing for me. It, it changed me and what I felt. Same way with this Mexico trip as well. Because at times we think, well, we know what that's like. We, we know what's going on over there. And we've seen a video. But I'll tell you a, a story about one of these girls, Roxanne. You saw maybe the back of her a little bit. 17-year-old girl. She was one of the girls I was trying to teach us to dance. And, and then you just kind of think, this is pretty typical 17-year-old girl. She loves music. She loves to dance. She's a killer dancer. Pretty normal. But then she starts telling about her story. And at times, well, I, I kind of know your story, Roxanne. You probably made a couple of bad decisions, maybe ran away from home. You ended up in the streets. And well, her real story is that she was kidnapped at a very young age. Kidnapped with, along with like 40 other kids about the age of 10, 10 or 15. And, uh, and it's dark, and I'll share it with you, but it's, it's a pretty dark story. Of, um, then tortured and trained to torture. So much so that you have a Hunger Games situation where now the kids are set up against each other and they're like, we're only going to take 10. Go. 
and for their lives, with their families being threatened, they have to, they have to kill one each other off. And then she's 17 years old. And it's, it just changes you. You're just like, <sighs> so you think like, what am I doing here? <laughs> How can I make a difference in this girl's life that I have no idea? That's a movie in my mind. That doesn't really happen, but she's lived it. But the fact that we get to dance with her and share a meal with her and, and give her a manicure, which is something she's never had or treated, changes her and it changes me, which is amazing. And that's why we do these trips to, like Chris says, to get us out of our bubble, kind of challenges us like, oh, we know what that's like. Well, we don't. And when we step into that uncomfortable getting our hands dirty, it changes us. And we come back different. And that's why we make opportunities to go. At the block party, uh, everybody's wearing this t-shirt. It says block party with this scripture on it. And I want to share that scripture with you. And that's in the book of Titus chapter 3. And I want to read that to you because, because I think one of the things that separates us from this and that is the fact that, that we think we're so different. That we think like, we're over here, they're over there. And, but Titus, in the book of Titus, it reminds us that we're not very different at all. And it begins in verse 3 and it says this. Because there was a time when we too were foolish, rebellious, and deceived. We were slaves to sensual cravings and pleasures, and we spent our lives being spiteful, envious, hated by many, and hating one another. So we were there. We're the same people. And I love verse 4. But then something happened. God, our Savior, and his overpowering love and kindness for humankind entered our world. He came to save us. It's not that we earned it by doing good works or righteous deeds. He came because he is merciful. He brought us out of our old ways of living to a new beginning that through the washing and regeneration, he made us completely new through the Holy Spirit and who was poured out in abundance through Jesus the anointed, our Savior. All of this happened so that through his grace, we would be accepted into God's covenant family and appointed to be his heirs, full of hope that comes from knowing you have eternal life. And that's really important, that because God entered our world with human kindness, with overpowering love, that we become heirs. And that means we have this responsibility, now that we're owners, now that we're heirs, to now go out and to enter other people's worlds and not just stay in our own because we are heirs, we, we're doing this. Concerning this, I want you to put it out there boldly so that those who believe in God will be constant in doing the right things which will benefit all of us. And that's what we're doing, we're trying to do here. We're gonna put it out there boldly. These are the right things that we should be doing. It benefits us all, it benefits them, it benefits us. This is what we're gonna do. These are the right things to do. So what are the wrong things to do? You know, God comes, he enters our world. We were just as broken as anybody. He saves us, we become heirs. These are the right things. What are the wrong things? Well, that's verse nine. Listen, don't get trapped in brainless debates. Avoid competition over family trees or pedigrees. Stay away from fights and disagreements over the law. They are a waste of your time. If we could update this verse, you could just say, stop arguing on Facebook, right? <laughs> Wasteless. It, uh, timeless. I just, it, it just wastes all our time. It, it's, it's terrible. You know, once we stay in our world, this is what kind of naturally ends up happening off Facebook or on Facebook, but just kind of looking at each other, just arguments, pedigrees. What do you have? What do I have? Little competition. 
Were we supposed to step out of this world to do the right things? And that's what, that's what we want for us all. And so I challenge you, um, come on this Mexico trip. Step into other outside opportunities where you're stepping outside of your world. Uh, tonight, if you really are interested in coming to the Mexico trip, we would love to have you. We're going to have several of these this, this year, this coming year, maybe more. But for sure, we have one in August and one in October coming up. We have an interest meeting tonight at 630. If you want to come, a little short meeting. We're going to meet in Firefly, one of those rooms, have some snacks. And we could really talk about this trip and what it's about and what it entails. And you don't have to speak Spanish. Uh, you just have to be available and just come in and get your hands dirty like, um, like Sarah and Hubie, who we met on the plane. That was a really amazing story. And I'll tell you one more story of why this is important. So while we were there, the ministry partner that we partnered up with, the pastor there, um, he's a little overwhelmed. He has a safe house, a community center, the block parties. He's doing all these things to rescue so many girls and boys. But his heart is still broken. And he says, there's so many of them He's like, he's kind of rethinking the way he's going to do these events now because there's so many, he's overwhelmed. He's like, the best thing that we could do is go to the source. Before they get trapped into the sex traffic industry, we, we need to go to the source. We need to, we need to do something and that will have a bigger impact. And he's like, so he told us a real interesting story. He's like, we go out in the streets and we pass out these little care packages. And it's a simple little package, little deodorant, little toothpaste, little toothbrush, just for these girls, just to say, hey, you're loved, you're worthy, take care of yourself, you know, like, you're worthy of this. And he's like, we always know who the sex traffic girls are, and which ones are there just for another, another reason, uh, maybe they have a pimp or whatever, and mostly the sex traffic ones, he says, all the time, they won't receive the deodorant, they won't receive the toothbrush. We're like, well, why not? Are they being watched? Are they being, like, no, 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 they're not being watched at all but they're not, they don't see themselves worthy of deodorant. They have no, they've been so brainwashed that they are completely worthless that to them, they're like, I am not worthy of deodorant, a toothbrush, which is heartbreaking. And he's like, the way to really combat that is before they come in, for somebody to tell them, you're worthy. You're worthy of deodorant. You're awesome. You're great. So I invite you to step into those situations as well. One way that we could do it is we've actually uh, made a great uh, partnership with one of the schools, one of the local schools that's really close to the church. It's Jefferson. And we've been able to go in and kind of try to get this at the bud and, and go to those girls and boys and say, you are worthy. You are awesome. There's something in you. Actually, I just want to give a shout out to Gabriel, who's right here, this guy right here, amazing graffiti artist, went to their bathrooms and just spray painted these positive messages all over their bathroom. It's amazing. You should check it out. It's Gabriel right there. I want to embarrass him. <laughs> He's a good guy. You're awesome. You're beautiful. And that's what we just need to do. We need to step into these environments, get uncomfortable and say, I'm here and I want to bless these kids. I'm here and I want to get dirty. I'm here. I want to get uncomfortable. So we invite you guys, we do this boldly. Like Chris says, we like to get you uncomfortable, but we think it's important. It will benefit us all. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you would like more information, please visit our website at www.ecclesiahouston.org.